if you're joining us for the first time, thanks for coming. Uh, it's a great time to have you here. We're in the middle of an incredible uh, series entitled Christian. And uh, it's one of the most distinguishing characteristics of a follower of Jesus. And what's so profound about that description was that we realized through our study that it's really difficult to define the word Christian in the Bible because it's only used three times. But yet it's the most predominant name used in the religious culture. Christian. Um, And Jesus said, By your love, all people, all men and women will know that you are my disciples. He doesn't even use the word Christians. In fact, they, they never called themselves Christians. They called themselves disciples. Many people call themselves Catholic, Lutheran, Mormon, whatever. Jesus calls His followers disciple. And so today I want to talk about a dynamic in the series that Jesus brought into love and how we can try to comprehend and relate to this relationships of loving one another. If you've been involved in any form of relationship, whether at work, whether at home, whether you're dating someone, whether you're married to someone, whether you're friends in church, you realize how messy relationships really are. You realize how sometimes inconsistent love is. You realize sometimes how confusing love is. And how at times unfair. And these descriptions that I'm describing, um, messy, inconsistent, Confusing and unfair. These are all the things that Jesus brought into the equation in the Gospels. And we're going to look at that today to help us understand. Because we have a lack of comfort in this area. And so, it causes Christians and it causes churches to lean to one extreme or the other. The title of my lesson today is, When Grace Met Truth. Or you can say, when truth met grace. Or you can say, when gracey met truthy. <laughs> However you want to frame it. There is a grace, and there is a truth. And they seem to be conflicting when you look at that term. And it drives conservative people. Not politically, but more socially conservative people. It drives them and it drives me, because I'm conservative, to be too judgmental. And it drives non-conservatives toward being too mushy. It makes conservative people afraid that other people are going to get away with something. Mm, Truth. And it makes non-conservative fearful that we might make people feel bad about themselves. We can't have that because I'm Gracie. It's not how we do that. And so there's this tension. A tension that's tempting to resolve. But resolve it and you lose something. You lose the ability to love the way Jesus called us to love one another. And this tension explains the dynamic. Whenever I preach on a truth of the Bible, people in church, whether they're quiet or vocal, mostly, most people that, that lean toward the side of truth are like, yeah, amen. Say it again. And then when I, when I discuss grace in the Bible and mercy, you're, you're quiet like, yay, thanks. That's Gracie. Yes, yes. Emoji, Yes. <laughs> 
And there is a tension. There's a tension at church. There's tension all around. And the temptation is to resolve one or the other. That's why you have really extreme conservative churches. You're like, oh, yeah. And you have really extreme, gracie churches. Like, can you put some truth in there? Can you put some grace in there? And we're like forced to pick one or the other. When in fact you actually lose something when you get rid of one or the other. It's a tension that's tempting and resolve. And John, one of his disciples, many years after Jesus had gone and went to heaven, he writes about his experience with this concept. He writes about this, and so we can glean some insight into how to really live our lives with the tension of, of really grace and truth. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that had been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The implication is, there was a lot of darkness. Mankind was not light. He came in to be light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, the darkness has not mastered the light. Light always dispels darkness. You can turn up darkness all you want, and it will never extinguish light. If you've ever been in a cavern, like a cavern where you're underground and there's plenty of them in the United States, if you go in there, they always do this little trick. They always turn off the light. And there's no reflecting light, so what you see is absolute pitch blackness. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. You can't see nothing. Inside, I'm squeamish. I'm, I'm, I'm almost crying. And then he, then he lights the candle. And I'm like, thank you for... And that light, that little match, lights everything up. No matter how black and dark it is, it can never dispel light. And that's what Jesus brings into our lives. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. The artist created a painting and went inside the painting and the painting didn't recognize the artist. Jesus makes a painting with people in it to interact with them. He's the artist. He's the creator. And he goes in the painting to interact with the people and they don't recognize him. In fact, they throw him out. What a powerful description of how people relate to Jesus. He makes the painting. He goes inside and they just don't recognize the artist, the creator. That's incredible. He came to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, all who who embraced, all who took hold, all who accepted, it says to those who believed in his name, he gave the right or the privilege or the authority to become the children of God. And then it says, this word became flesh 
and made His dwelling among us, He moved in. You know, that word dwelling is a word that's used in the Old Testament. It was the tabernacle. It was the tent where God resided. And they, and they, would, they, they would lift it up and make it and then break it down and move it. And God would come into this tent. And this cloud would be there. And the people of Israel would know that God is right there. And the Bible, John describes, Jesus became flesh. The artist comes into the painting and lives among us. He tabernacles among us. He moves in. He makes residence. That's why this next statement is so important for us. And John writes this about Jesus. Because he, he was with Jesus. He saw Jesus. And he writes this. We, we have seen. Not you have seen. They we. They saw it. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father full of grace or truth? No. And truth. And this is the tension. There seems to be an apparent conflict right there with grace and truth. Let me give you a few examples. Grace says, don't worry about it. Truth says, oh, you better worry about it. Grace says, oh, you're fine. Truth says, no, you're wrong. Truth says, you're accountable. Grace says, you're forgiven. Truth says, oh, you're broken. You're messed up. Grace says, you're fine. Grace says, you're going to be okay. Truth says, you have a lot to work on. Grace says, I'll love you the way you are. Truth says, I'll love you when you change. There seems to be an apparent conflict. But he was full of grace and truth. You know, it's funny, our personalities lean one way or the other. One parent that you had was grace and one was truth. Or maybe he was one was grace or one was truth and one was Mr. Ungrace. And your parents would argue behind closed doors how to raise you. You didn't know this, but they would argue about you. You know how I know that? Because I argue with Karen about my kids. And I know I can't be the only guy that did that. Which one did you, which, which one did you like better? I like Grace. But in my family, I don't know, I had Mr. and Mrs. Truth. I get that. But I so much wanted Gracie in my life. And all I got was truthy. If you grew up in a great, if you grew up in a great home, you had a good dose of both. Well, there was truth, and then there was grace. And John writes this: Jesus was full of grace, very messy, coloring doesn't look good. Inconsistent. 
And, the, and John writes, according to what he says, <coughs> he was full. Of grace. And truth. That is one nasty jar in there. (laughs) He was full. To the brim. Of grace and truth. So let's take this concept. Let's take your personality. And I want to push Jesus to one side or the other. When I'm telling you what to do, I like this side. When you're telling me what to do, I like this side. Please talk to me like this. When I'm talking about somebody else, oh yeah, oh yeah. Put it, yeah, put it to him, bro. Get it out there. You're accountable. I just want to be forgiven. That's the tension. And it is in our nature to pick one or the other because the other makes us uncomfortable. I don't like the other. I want them to convert to truth. I want truthers to convert to grace. Instead, Jesus was filled with both. Not some truth, not some grace, all of both. And he writes this, as John writes back, as he reflects on his experience with Jesus, he writes, Out of His fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. Extra grace. Grace upon grace. And then he writes, For the law was given through Moses. Remember the law, the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. You, should do, you will do this. There was over 613 or 603 of these laws. But you will do this. And right after writing this, he writes, grace and truth came through Jesus. That's what John wants us to become comfortable with. Grace and truth. You know what people do when they're on one side of truth? They don't like hanging out with Gracie. And the Gracies avoid the truthies. Man, hang out with there. You're going to get home too much truth. Oh, they're mushy. They're soft. They lack character. They're harsh and judgmental. You have these two in church. And Jesus was full of both. Full of both. Not the, Jesus was not the balance in between both. He was the full measure of both. And there's this tension. And if you resolve it, you will lose something. Let me give you a few examples. One time Jesus was going through this town of Samaritans, and Samaritans were like half Jewish people and half Assyrians, and they had their own temple, and all the Jewish people hated them, and no one talked to them, and they had their own temple, and there was tension. And Jesus walking through their town, 
Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He stops in at this well. And the, the village is full of Samaritans. His guys go with something to eat. He's sitting at the well. And there comes this woman. And she's at the well. And Jesus talks to her. And ever talking, he says, you know what? Go get your husband. She says, oh, I don't have a husband. And Jesus goes, oh, that's right. That's right. You've had five. And the one you're with is not your husband. How truthy? I don't know. I would not have a conversation like that. They don't teach you that in pastor school. He just put it out there. Truth! And then, she goes, then he goes, but I want to give you something. A water so you'll never thirst again. I am the Messiah. He reveals to the most hated people on the earth, according to the Jewish nation. He says, I'm the Messiah. And I'm going to give you living water. Grace! All in one little sit down. You have five husbands. You're crazy. I'm going to give you living water. It's going to make you, make you so much better. Truth. And grace. And she goes back into town and she brings the town. She has no credibility. Woman like that attracting people to come with five and five husbands. I don't know if she murdered them or they divorced them. I don't know. That wasn't safe. She had five though. They all died before her or divorced her. I don't know which, but can you imagine the credibility she had? Zero. But yet they come. Truth and grace. He was full of that. How about the Canaanite woman? Jesus is on his way walking, and some woman comes up and, and, and begs for her daughter who's gravely ill to him to, for Jesus to heal her daughter. She's vulnerable. She's humble. And she's a foreigner. You know what Jesus tells her? I didn't come for you. In fact, it's not right to give the bread of the children to the dogs. Ouch. Straight up. Truth right there. I didn't come for you. It wasn't like, hey, you know what? Right now is not a good time. I'm a little busy. I'd love to get to it. I'm not sure. No, no, no. I didn't come for you. I came for Israel. And besides, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. And the woman right now are going like, that's the Jesus we follow? I never knew that. Yeah, that's what he said. And then the woman goes, yes, but even the dogs eat the scraps from the master's table. He's like, what's up? (laughs) I like that. In fact, I have not seen such great faith in Israel. Grace. Go. Your daughter's healed. He's full of truth. He's full of grace. So why do you pick one or the other? Jesus was both. Let me give you another one. You know, you can imagine all the, all the graces are like, you know, when you, when you hear that, he's like, when he goes, you're a dog. But, oh, you have, you have such, I've not seen such great faith in you, a woman. All of a sudden, ah, oh. emoji. <laughs> and then there's criminal on the cross. You know, Rome didn't crucify every single thief. They crucified that you couldn't rehab these thieves. They're better off dead. Because, you know, regular thieves would have to do something. They work, they, they get hired, they get slaves. They, they kind of reincorporate back into society at a lower level. Not every thief was crucified. 
So the thief that were next to Jesus, these guys were, the, the state of Rome said, hey, we cannot rehabilitate these guys. They have got to die. Can't fix them. They're broken. And Jesus is on the cross. These crazy thieves. And one says, hey man, we deserve what we're getting. And Jesus probably saying, yeah, no argument there. You're here. But you'll be with me in paradise. To that guy. To the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. Compare that. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Or you can't follow me. Walk away. Thief on the cross. You're, you can't be rehabbed. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that inconsistent? Isn't that messy? Why do you say that to that guy and this to this guy? He's full of grace and truth. And I'm sure there's theological arguments for both. But my point is that he's full of grace and truth. Then there was this woman caught in adultery. Red-handed. They catch her. Do not know the guy, mind you. He gets off the hook. But the woman! Oh man, these Jewish guys are... The woman! So she's... All these guys have got stones... And they tell Jesus, according to the law of Moses, she needs to die. And they have the stones in their hands, and they are ready. And Jesus says, okay, you can do that. But only the people that have no sin can throw the stone. And all the men start dropping their rocks. And Jesus is riding on the ground. He looks up. Hey, where would everybody go? And there's the woman. And no one's there. You're thinking, grace. Then he turns to the woman and says, okay, I don't condemn you either. But leave your life of sin. Grace and truth. He was full of both. I mean, he could have said anything. He could have said like, well, you know, guys, the stones, you really have no really authority to kill anyone because we're under Roman rule. And so technically, what you're doing is a crime. You can't do that. You can't kill her. You got to get permission from Pontius Pilate to do that. He could have said that. Because, no. If you're without sin, then you can do it. And he was the only one without sin. And he says, I don't condemn you but leave your life of sin. This is the tension. If you want to know what Jesus meant, watch what Jesus did. If you want to know what He meant when He said, love one another, watch how He loved. Read about how He loved people. He called sin, sin. He paid for it with His life. Then he declared, I don't condemn you, but now leave your life of sin. If you don't, I still love you. Ah. If you find yourself so broken from sin or someone else's sin against you that you're not, you aren't sure how you can break away, Jesus says, I love you. You say, I love you. That's who 
we follow. We don't follow our feelings and our emotions. We don't follow our personality of truth and our personality of grace. We follow Jesus. And we're in this jar. And this jar has tension. And it's uncomfortable. And we don't like it. But that's where Jesus is. That's where we're supposed to be. That's how we have been called to love. And there's a tension. But if you try to resolve it, you'll lose something. You dare not lose truth because sin has a gotcha. You don't want to get a getcha, do you? Right? You dare not lose the truth. You have to have truth. But you dare not lose grace because sin already has gotcha. And you need a way back. You know what a what you call a group of liars? Cheaters? Divorced? Remarried? Living together? Jealous? Greedy? Covetous? Lustful? Porn watching? Tax dodging? Law breaking? People who eat too much come together because they believe that Jesus is the light of the world and they need more light? You know what they call those people? The church. That's us. You know, the truth has just got flared up. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't dodge taxes. And the grace is like, yes, yes. There's only one way for it to work. There's only one way to make it work, and that is grace and truth. The church is at its best when it embraces both and refuses to let go of one for the other. When it's willing to live with the tension, knowing that if they try to resolve it, they'll lose something. Something we all desperately need, and that is grace and truth. And next week, we're going to talk about angry birds and what that means. But for now... Enjoy the festivities and enjoy the song and we'll see you out there at the party.